0: Good morning, and would you join me this morning in your Bibles in the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, chapter 19. Numbers, chapter 19. So we've been going through the book of Numbers over the past couple of years. By God's providence, we've come to this very interesting passage of Scripture that has to deal with what we know as the red heifer. Before I read the first ten verses, I just want to be reminded of the fact that the Levitical services and ordinances were in themselves carnal. They were fleshly, and they only had an obscure representation of the things spiritual and internal. Now it turns out that there were many Jews that believed that these actual services were beneficial to them. But there were a few that understood that these services were only typical, pictorial, that they were not real, they were not their real salvation. And we get to the New Testament. And we find that the writer of the book of Hebrews said the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. Animal sacrifices could never take away sin. These were just obscure representation of things that were spiritual. And Christ's sacrifice was of spiritual benefit. The sacrifice of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, on the cross when he gave himself, no man took his life from him, but he gave it up freely gave it up on the behalf of his people, on behalf of the church, that was spiritual. That is of spiritual benefit. Those carnal earthly things were divinely appointed, though. We're going to read this, that this sacrifice was divinely appointed by Almighty God and was to be carried out with very specific instructions. It was God's types and remembrances of those that those things that are spiritual and, e- and eternal. So here's a type and a shadow and a picture, but it is bursting over with the blessings that are in type. The reality is just so rich in spiritual blessings. In the sacrifice of Christ, there is an innate, glorious worth and efficacy that we do not find in any of the Old Testament sacrifices. It is the Son of God's blood and his body not some created being that will satisfy the justice of God. Now, in Numbers chapter 19, I'd like to read the first 10 verses of this chapter, and it shares with us the sacrifice that is called the sacrifice of the red heifer. The Lord spake unto Moses, verse 1, and unto Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord, now notice the next two words, hath commanded. The Lord hath commanded. This is something that He has prescribed, He has commanded to take place, and this sacrifice is completely separate from all the sacrifices that are recorded in the book of Leviticus. This is something that God gave to them, and we if we go back just a short time, we will find out that there has been a multitude of rebellions against Almighty God that has brought this up. Now God didn't had this Purpose from the very beginning. This is the right time and the right place to bring it up. But we're gonna. We notice back just shortly that the ten spies came back with a false report. We have Korah and his rebellion. We have the rebellion against Moses and against Aaron by the children of Israel. And God now says, "This is the commandment that I give unto the children of Israel: the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying." Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring. This is going to be a group effort, if you please. This is for Israel to bring. They are to bring, what does it say? Bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein no blemish, and upon which never came a yoke, never came yoke. And ye shall give her unto Eleazar. The priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp. And one shall slay her before his face. And Eleazar the priest shall take of her blood with his finger and sprinkle of her blood directly upon the tabernacle of the congregation seven times. And one shall burn the heifer in his sight, her skin and her flesh and her blood with her dung. Shall he burn? And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning of the heifer. Then the priest shall wash his clothes and he shall bathe his flesh in water. And afterward he shall come into the camp, and the priest shall be unclean until even. And he that burneth her shall wash his clothes in water and bathe his flesh in water and shall be unclean until even and a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and lay them up without the camp in a clean place and it shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for a water of separation it is a purification from sin or for sin excuse me and he that gathereth the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until even. And it shall be unto the children of Israel, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among them, for a statute forever. Now, I find this passage of Scripture most interesting. My mother was born in the days of the old talkie movies, not the talkie movies, the silent movies. And she told me a number of times of going to the little theater in her hometown And one of the funniest things that could happen in one of those films was somebody putting too much rice in the pot and boiling it, and it all boiling over into the fire. Now, that's just a little bit of what I see in this passage of Scripture, is that this is so full. This passage of Scripture is so full about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we see this picture, now this mention, the mention of this red heifer sacrifice is mentioned one time in the Old Testament. It is mentioned one time in the New Testament, and I'd like to direct your attention there. It's found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9 and verse 13. Before we start looking at this, these are the only two times that we have reference to this in all the scriptures. The one in the New Testament is found in the book of Hebrews. Would you turn there with me to Hebrews chapter 9? And verse 13. This is an allusion to that. We have the heifer is mentioned here. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13, we have these words that take us back to that Old Testament sacrifice that was given by commandment of God to Israel. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, from the appearance, all that those ashes that were brought up and put somewhere without the camp, The only thing that they were going to be used for is for purification of the flesh. And the rest of the chapter has to deal with that. And we'll get to it in time. But here we have, if that was for the sanctifying of the flesh, the purifying of the flesh, how much more is the blood of Christ? How much greater? How much more important? How much more valuable is it? the blood of Christ, for our sanctification and for the purifying of our spirit. I remember the words of the Lord Jesus, and while you're there in the book of Hebrews, just move over to the book of John for just a moment. The words of the Lord Jesus about Moses, because Moses was used as the secretary to write this great book of Numbers, also Genesis, also Exodus, also Leviticus, also Deuteronomy, the first five books of our Bible, was he was the secretary for. Now, he would admit if he came in here and was testifying on the fact, he says, these words are not my words. These words are the words that the Holy Spirit gave me and I wrote them down. In the original language, they were with perfection. In the original language, they were without error. In the original language, God gave him exactly what he wanted to give him. He gave them the account of the creation. He gave him the account of Adam and Eve's creation. And he gave him the account of the fall. And he gave him the the effects of the fall. That all men are in sin. And all men are without help and without hope and without God in this world by our natural state. Moses was given that information. And then as we find through here, we find that he was given many things here in the book of Numbers, in fact. So here in the book of John, chapter 5, the Lord shares with us what he had to say about Moses. In in John, chapter 5, and verse 46, the scripture shares this. For had you believed Moses. Now, they said they believed Moses. These are Pharisees. These are the religious people of the day. How many people today say, I believe the Bible, I believe all the Bible, and you read a certain passage of Scripture, and the the comment is, I don't believe that part. Well, here it is. The same people are saying the same thing in the days of the Lord Jesus, in the book of John, chapter 5, verse 46, for had you believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. So everyone that God ever reveals Christ to will understand that the message that Moses wrote is the same message that Jesus Christ is carrying out during his own personal ministry, and it is the message of the gospel that we preach today. These verses are no exception. They are speaking of Christ. This sacrifice of this red heifer is speaking immensely about our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the only one that can take care of the rebellion of our own soul, just like it was for the rest of Israel. Nobody could satisfy what was necessary. There must be payment for sin, and this is a picture of that. But it is not the reality of that. Jesus Christ is the only one that could fulfill all that was required to pay for our sin. He is the divine Son of God. And He has the ability, the wherewithal, and the interest in redeeming His people from their sins. This sacrifice is not mentioned in Leviticus. This sacrifice is mentioned only in two places in the Bible. And this sacrifice was given after the children of Israel had started their journey away from the promised land. God shared with all those people after those 10 uh, spies came back with an evil report, and almost everybody believed the wrong report. How many believed the report of Joshua and Caleb? Very, very few believed the report of Joshua and Caleb. And the reason for Joshua and Caleb's good report was not that they were better than those other folks. It was because the Lord says, I gave them another heart. I gave them understanding. I gave them what we would call the new birth and say they were able to believe God. You know, we read in the book of Hebrews about a man that was told that it was going to rain and it was going to rain so much that the earth was going to be covered. From the top of the mountains above, And you know what it says? Moses believed God. He'd never seen rain. He'd never thought of rain. It was not something he knew about, but he knew what God had to say was right. God gave him the ability of believing God. And in believing God, he prepared for his family. Now, out of all the thousands, maybe even millions of people that were on the face of the earth at this time, and he was a preacher of righteousness, Eight souls were delivered. Now to the world, he was not a very successful preacher, but to God, he was my faithful preacher. He declared by building the ark, he declared by preaching the righteousness that righteousness is only found in my son, in the son of God. This sacrifice was given after the children of Israel started their journey from Mount Sinai, but it was really given after they had left the edge of the promised land when we're turned back into the wilderness. This is not something that God came up with on a rebound. I appreciated what we heard this morning there. God was not caught short by Adam taking of that fruit. God was not surprised by that. God was not uh, unprepared for that. In fact, God was totally prepared for that. The scriptures tell us that he had a lamb, and we know who that lamb is. That lamb is his son, the Lord Jesus. He had a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He had a covenant, an eternal, everlasting, blood-bought covenant prepared for what was going to happen in the garden. If that had not been there, there would have been no redemption for anybody. But he, by the grace of God, he redeemed Adam and Eve and clothed them with skins of animals, picturing the necessity that we have of a clothing called the righteousness of Christ. Without it, we cannot appear before God. With it, we are brought in, come, welcome to the throne of grace because of the righteousness of Christ. This sacrifice was not something that God came up on a rebound, but this sacrifice was much in the purpose of God, as we're going to see here, I want us to remember again, this sacrifice is mentioned twice in the Bible, once here in the book of Numbers, once in the, book of Numbers, uh, in the book of Hebrews, and no other place. But the effects of this were carried on for some time. Now, it is interesting. If you go online and type in red heifer, you're going to find out that they're looking for one to, so they can rebuild a temple and reestablish animal sacrifices and there's nothing could be farther from the truth in this world. When Jesus Christ cried from the cross, it is finished. All sacrifices were over. There was one sacrifice that took care of sin and that forever. It took care of sins past, present, and future and that forever. And we're not looking for another temple and we're not looking for More animal sacrifices. In fact, God was so displeased with Israel going on with animal sacrifices that in AD 70 he had that temple dismantled, and stone from stone from stone was dismantled, and all of the things that were in there were carried off by a Roman general. He said, It is finished. Now, those who want to reestablish that, I just cannot find that they have the first idea about what God has intended in Christ Jesus, the Lord, to save his people. Well, we find in here there's something very different from all that Israel normally had. The requirement is for a red heifer. Now, we can go back earlier in the book of Genesis and read that there was a brother... His name was Israel. His name was going to be changed to Israel. And you know, for his wages, what he was given? His wages was ring-straked and speckled animals. That's what he was given. And really, that's what Christ came to die for, was sinners. That's what it pictured. As he was given these as his pay, the Lord was given the church, which is without Anything that could be attracted by God. God would not look down from heaven and see, oh, there's that, oh, there's that one and that one that I know they're going to have faith in me. My goodness. We find out that the covenant of grace is not because of foreseen faith, but it is always because of foreseen unbelief. There would have been no believers if he had not had that in his covenant of grace. So we have a red heifer. Now, this color red is such a rarity in Israel. It was such a rarity. They could not be one black hair, one white hair, one yellow hair on this critter. It was to be a red heifer. And this is so significant. The rarity of this animal is so significant because the Bible speaks of the rarity of the Son of God. There is one like him. There is not two or three or a dozen Christ. There is one Savior. There is none other name given under heaven whereby you must be saved. There is one Savior. There is one that is so rare. Well, we read about this most unlikely to obtain. It took a lot of looking and checking and finding before they brought this one red heifer out. This is so uncommon among their herds. We read concerning our Savior that he is called, in the Song of Solomon, chapter 5 and verse 10, he is called the chiefest among ten thousands. The chiefest among ten thousands. He is so rare, you're not going to find him everywhere. But when he reveals himself, he is with us. All right? And then we find there was a king, the first king of Israel. His name was Saul. That king, when he stepped into the crowd, the scriptures tell us that he he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders upward. (laughs) Can you imagine a man step into the group of all of Israel and... You didn't have any trouble picking him out of the crowd because he was head and shoulders above the rest. Now, when it comes to the holiness and righteousness and all of the necessary elements, we can see our Savior is head and shoulders above everyone else. And I'm using that just as a figure of speech. There is no one to compare him with. We cannot compare him with any religious person that has ever lived. We cannot compare him with any preacher that has ever lived. We cannot compare him with any of the high echelon people. He is head and shoulders above everybody that's ever been on this earth. He was born of a virgin different than anybody else has ever had. Two people were created of the dust of the earth. Adam and Eve. Adam was created of the dust of the earth. His wife was created from a from a, a rib from, his, from her husband, but everybody else has been related to Adam by birth. And because Adam fell, he brought sin upon all peoples. And our Savior could not be touched by that sin of affliction. He could not be touched by that relationship. He was given a body like unto our body, but the Bible tells us so clearly, yet without sin. He never thought of sin. He never had it go through his mind. He never committed to sin. He had none of that. He was a perfect, perfect, righteous, holy, undefiled son of God. I, the Bible tells us, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. So one of a kind. So beautiful. So attractive. So eye-catching. When God reveals him to his people, there is no one else that will take his place. No one else will substitute for him. He is the one that all the people of God are attached to with such clarity. In the book of Deuteronomy, would you turn there with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32? This is that red, that red. He is that red picture of that red heifer here in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32, here he is spoken of as a rock, but he is so different than all other rocks. Deuteronomy 32, Deuteronomy 32 and verse 31, for their rock is not our rock. Now there seems to be some semblance to it, but he's not our rock. Deuteronomy 32, verse 31. For their rock is not our rock. And you know what? Even our enemies themselves being judges. At one time, there was a whole flock of people sent after the Lord to bring him in for a conversation with some of the authorities. And those people, they came back and They said, where where is he? Where is he? And you know what their comment was? No man ever spoke like this man. He's He's not trying to get us to join some religion or some church. He's not trying to get us to do what normal religious people try to do. He's not trying to get us to sit down and admire him for what he wants us to get involved in. No man ever spoke like this man. And when he taught, he spoke with authority and not as the scribes. He was someone so special. He was someone so rare, someone so untypical from everybody else. When he came, he did not come in fine robes and expect everybody to bow down. He didn't do that. He was born of a virgin laid in a manger and he wore street clothes like we do. He did have one piece of raiment that was without seam, and they gambled over that. This red, would you turn with me over to the book of Isaiah chapter 63 as we think about this red. Now, not only does it declare his rarity, but it also declares his purpose. There is something about this red heifer It's rare. Took them some time to find him. You know, those shepherds that were announced that he had been born, today is born unto you in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know what had to happen before they could find him? He is in a manger, and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes, and his mother is there. And you know what? They went and searched and found him. He was so rare, but to find him, you had to have perfect instructions, and so it is with God's people today. You must have perfect instructions, and those instructions are the gospel. What is the gospel? Number one, we need to know something about God. God's an offended party. Mankind has sinned against a thrice holy God. What does the Bible, what's the gospel declare about man? Man's a sinner before God, and Death is due them, the soul that sinneth it shall die. And what does the gospel declare about the Son of God? He is the only Savior. He's the only one that laid down his life that could pay a ransom for many. He's the only one. Well, here in the book of Isaiah, chapter 63, we read these words as he is, he's is, he got red dye on him. Notice this in Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah chapter 63, and there in verse 1 through 3, Isaiah chapter 63, the question has come up. This isn't a question. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? That this that is glorious in his apparel. There's someone important. Some, I've never seen anybody like him. Never seen anybody like him. Who is this? Traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness. The answer? I that speak in righteousness. Mighty to save. Wherefore art thou Art thou red in thine apparel? That word red is the same word we found over there in the book of Numbers chapter 19 about a red heifer. How are you red? Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine vat? No, it used to be if you had grapes and you wanted wine, you stomped them by foot. And if you got your clothes in it, you were stained with that red dye of wine, that juice. He says, you look like you've tread in a wine vat. Who is this that comes from dyed garments? Now, those two names have great insignificance. We're not going to that at the moment. Where they was from, from Edom with dyed garments from Basra. Glorious in his apparel. You know, to the believer, to the saint, to the child of God, those garments dyed red by his own blood is so valuable. It was his blood that redeemed us. It was his blood that set us apart and goes on. I have trodden the winepress alone You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, even when he was headed for the cross, all of his disciples left him. And the scriptures tell us because he would do it all alone. There would be no one that would say, I helped him out. His twelve, one was the devil, left and hung himself. The other eleven, we say, Peter, he denied him. The rest of them did too. You know, when it comes down to it, what Peter and the rest of the disciples and what Judas did are almost identical things. One was purchased. Or one was not purchased. Eleven were. It's the only difference. My goodness, when God saves us, he doesn't make us perfect. We're sinners. We continue to sin. We sin more than we ever want to, but we continue to sin. What does that mean for us? I paid for you in full Anything over, I'll still pay for that. I'll take care of all your sins. You will not stand before the Father. You'll not stand before me. And you will not stand before the Holy Spirit and answer for one sin. I've answered for them all. And the church says, thank you, Lord. Because left alone, I could not answer. I have trodden in the winepress alone. And of the people, there was none with me dyed red, red heifer, dyed red, blood red, red by the blood of the sacrificed one, blood that was taken and presented to the Father. Just as the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, our Savior went first presented his blood before the Father, obtaining eternal redemption for his people because he laid down his life a ransom for many. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 5 and verse 10, my beloved is white and ruddy. And that word ruddy is the same word, red. You know, the word Adam means red. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. It talks about the two Adams. Now, why does it talk about two Adams and nobody in between? Well, the reason is, each of them are representatives of their race. Each of them are representatives of their people. The first Adam was a representative for the entire human race. He was our representative. And people would say, well, if I'd have been there, I wouldn't have done that. That's a little presumptuous. Adam represented us in the Garden of Eden. And he represented us, and when he sinned, He put us all in the same vat. All our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And there in verse 45. And so it is written the first Adam, the first representative the first one to represent people. It says, in Adam, all died. You know, there's an open discussion going on in religion of how dead is dead. (laughs) The Bible says all died, and yet almost every preacher I ever knew in religion believed that there was enough good left in man that he could, of himself, volunteer and say, I accept you and the other said so dead that it took God to raise you and you know what the truth is so dead that it took God to raise us that's his promise he would raise us all from the spiritual dead here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 45 and so it is written the first adam first man adam was made a living soul and the last adam was made a quickening spirit now why would we need a quickening spirit Because we're dead. We need someone to raise us. We can't answer the call. We can't come forward. We can't do anything of our own. Our free will is not free when it comes to spiritual things. This morning I had raisin walnut oatmeal. I chose to eat that. I had a young preacher in my office the other day and I had some, I call them crumpets. I had some cookies and I had a little bar and this and stuff. And he sat down and he picked out one and started eating it. And I said, you just showed me a wonderful Bible doctrine. He says, what's that? I said, you demonstrated the Bible doctrine of election. He says, how did I do that? And I says, you chose one and left the rest alone. Robert Hawker said his grandchildren were the best to prove the Bible doctrine of election of any he had ever seen. Set the table, they'd come up. I don't like greens, I don't like fruit, I take this, you know? And that's the way we are. And when God does it, people get upset. But if God hadn't, there would be no one saved. Now that word Adam there, that word Adam means red. Both of them mean red. Adam, the first Adam was created out of red dirt. The second Adam was not created out of red dirt, but he's called the same name because he's a representative of all his people. And all his people make the church. Did you notice there, when we read over in the book of Numbers chapter 19, that this was an ordinance and a command to Israel? I find no Philistines in there. I find no Hivites in there. I find no other people in there. This was for Israel. And Israel is a picture and a type and a shadow of the church. Now, there's a whole bunch of national Israel at that time that had no understanding at all about God's grace. There were a few. Joshua and Caleb, we know for a fact. Moses, Eleazar, Aaron, they had some knowledge about God because it had been revealed to them. Adam was revealed the fact that he was the representative of the entire human race. Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, it was made known by him I will represent my church. Now, they're unable of themselves to ever get out of the mess they're going to be in, but I represent them, and when I go to the cross, I will be that significant one that is so rare out of all the human race. There is none like me in all the human race ever born. I'm head and shoulders above them, if you please. I am white and I'm ruddy, if you please. I am the rose of Sharon, and I am the lily of the valley, if you please. But all that does is prove that I am one of a kind. I am God come in the flesh. I am Emmanuel, God with us. I am the rarest of the rare. One out of the billions of people that have been on the earth is this one. And this is the savior of his people. Red. My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. He is red because of his own blood, and he's red because of his own rarity. This sacrifice is about understanding and believing that what Christ accomplished at the cross. The next thing that's said about this is a rarity too. A red heifer. Most of the sacrifices were male. There were a few of the sacrifices under the Levitical priesthood that were male or female and just a couple that were female only. I would like to read just a little bit about this. Turn with me to the book of Numbers. There's just a few verses in the book of Numbers, excuse me, Leviticus. Leviticus. In the Levitical order of things, we have a, a number of sacrifices that were laid out. And when we went through here, we found out that this is of their own voluntary will and probably there were very few of these sacrifices that actually took place because a sinner is a very valuable thing. The Holy Spirit hath made him thus. We may say we have sinned, but we have, in our natural state, we will never say I've sinned enough to undergo God's judgment. Most of our sin and our reaction to it is, I'm sorry I got caught. Most of our sin is never actually towards God. It's towards our mother, our dad, our brothers, sisters, family, friends, someone like that. But when God saves us, we realize that he was the offended party. He is who we sinned against. David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Now, he done it terrible thing, but he realized that the sin was against God, and then it trickled down against the lady, against her husband, against Israel, against, but against thee and thee only have I sinned. So when God reveals himself to us through the gospel, we find out, I have offended God. Thank God for his mercy. Mercy can only be given, as we heard this morning, Only God only gives mercy to offenders. We can't command mercy, we beg mercy. And we find out we're only begging mercy after the Lord saves us. We don't have the capabilities of that. Once he gives us the new birth, we say, oh, be merciful to me the sinner. Well, here in the book of Leviticus, chapter 3, would you look there in chapter 3 and verse 1? Chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, And if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it of the herd, whether it be male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. All right. Chapter 3 and verse 6. And if his offering for a sacrifice of a peace offering unto the Lord be of the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. In chapter 4. Turn with me to chapter 4 of the book of Leviticus in verse 28. Chapter 4 and verse 28. Or if his sin which he hath sinned come to his knowledge, when he shall bring an offering, a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which he hath sinned. Now, this is an offering for sin that you don't even know you committed. <laughs> if it come to you. But it says, shall be an, a goat, a female, without blemish. And then in chapter 5 and verse 6, would you turn there? Chapter 5 and verse 6. These are just several of the offerings that are mentioned here in the book of Leviticus. And most of them, a male, without blemish and without spot. Passover lamb, male without blemish, without spot of the first year. Verse 6 of chapter 5, it says, And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sin, which he hath sinned, a female from the flock, a lamb, or a kid of the goats, for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his sin. Well, we see most of the time that there was an offering was made male, without blemish, without spot. This particular sacrifice is like two others. It was to be a red heifer, a female cow that was brought before, taken out without the camp by Eliezer the priest. And we're going to jump ahead here a little bit. I can see this is going to be continued because a male or female taken without the camp, and he turned it over to someone else. You know, the law never was involved with the sacrifice of Christ. He never did it under the Jewish religion. He was without the camp on purpose. He was not sacrificed as a lamb on the altar. He was taken without the camp. It's without the religion that was going on there, without all of that stuff. And he was done according to God's eternal purpose, a sacrifice set aside without the camp and only under the view of Almighty God. Well, we'll get to that. Several times we notice here that this took place. Now, What does this mean that he's going to be represented as a female uh, heifer, a red heifer? What does that mean? Well, I see in here that there's such a unity between Christ and his church. You have Christ, you're going to have his church. They're inseparable. They have been inseparable from eternity past. That's why the covenant of grace was made to begin with, was for Christ and his church. As we see him here, he is taken out without the camp, and he is sacrificed, but the scriptures tell us we died in him. We were buried with him. We were raised with him. We're sitting at the right hand of the Father in him. So it would be just appropriate that God would command Israel to bring out this red heifer, a rarity, such a rare color to depict the rarity of the Savior and also share with us that there was such a unity between Jesus Christ and his bride that it was pictured here a number of times in the book of Leviticus, but this time in the book of Numbers that he who lived in perfection would perfect his Body. He would perfect the church. She died when he died. She was buried when he was buried. She arose when he arose. She ascended when he ascended. And how is set down at the right hand of the Father? And guess what? Shall come with him when he shall come again. All of this is so tied together, and he knew exactly who he was dying for when he went to the cross. There was no unfilled boxes. He didn't go there to make people savable. He went to the cross to save his people. That's a wonderful Savior, a Savior that actually saves his people and a Redeemer that actually redeemed his people. Redemption has to do with a problem that we were in. Most of the time that we find it in record, it was someone being redeemed out of slavery or out of prison. It doesn't mean we were not affected by the fall. It means we were very affected by the fall, and we needed someone to redeem us out of the house of the fowler. Well, the red heifer, not one white or black or yellow hair, that would disqualify nothing but the Holy Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ would fulfill this prophecy. And then we find, and we're going to stop here, but go back with me to the book of Numbers chapter 19 and verse 2. Chapter 19 and verse 2. Numbers chapter 19 and verse 2. And here we have these glorious words. This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, speak unto the children of Israel that they bring, that they bring to thee a red heifer, now notice the next part, without spot, wherein is no blemish, and which upon which never came yoke. Every one of us were yoked by sin when we were born, but he never came with yoke. We'll stop there for this morning. Brother Mike, if you'll come. And we'll pick this up, Lord willing, next week.